0: Hi, you're listening to ARZone on the issue of intersectionality. Brief interviews ahead of the Pro Intersectionality Vegan Conference being held at VegFest London in October 2016. I'm ARZone founder Carolyn Bailey and I'm joined for these special podcast by sociologist Dr. Roger Yates. For our fifth episode in this special series, Roger and I are very pleased to welcome our guest today in Singer Young. Enzina is a freelance writer with a focus on vegan issues. As a born and raised vegetarian who is now living vegan, she's turned her predominantly plant-based upbringing into a passionate vegan lifestyle. Enzina is a student of plant-based nutrition with E. Cornell, a vegan content contributor for Huffington Post and an avid traveller for local and international vegan events. Enzinger, thanks for joining us today and welcome to our special series of interviews on the important topic of intersectionality.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: You're so very welcome. <laughs> yeah, Hi Enzinga. Welcome, welcome along.
1: Thank you Roger, good to be here.
0: My first question for you today is the question we ask all of our guests, and we do that because we think it's important to acknowledge that intersectionality seems to be defined differently by each of us. It's certainly more than simply a theory or something that other people write about. It's about real life experiences. So what does intersectionality mean to you?
1: And I love that you asked this question and I think you've gotten some really great answers from the um, interviewees you've had before me. My personal definition of intersectionality, I sort of pieced together through context clues of reading a lot of great writings from um, a lot of great vegan thinkers. Um, so my, I see intersectionality as honoring all that I am and honoring all that Everyone else is. So within the context of veganism, me as a black woman who is also vegan, my experience with veganism will be different because I have to fit in all these other um, pieces of my identity. So when I'm intersectionally minded, like many of us are, I I like to think that we are thinking about the other factors that either encourage or discourage somebody from going vegan. So again, another black woman who or, or any person who may have Um, is discriminated in any kind of way, is suffering from any other um, financial hardships, physical hardships, is, is seen as less than within our society, we have to communicate everything in a way that respects their life experience. So when it comes to veganism, and this is a lot of what I write about, it's about honoring where a person is, and communicate veganism with consideration of all the other factors within somebody's life experience.
0: That's a wonderful answer, Nzinga. I really appreciate that. Thank you. I also wanted to speak with you today about food deserts. Could you please speak about what is a food desert? How big a problem are they for the people affected? And should pro-intersectional advocates tailor their advocacy when engaging with those affected?
1: So, um, I live in New York City, and I can't remember, and I know I wrote about it off the top of my head, I can't remember the exact statistics about what sort of officially makes something a food desert. But essentially, it's when you don't have easy access to a full-range grocery store. You don't have easy access to plant-based options uh, within your immediate community. So. I get a lot of people saying, ah, there's no way that you would have to, anyone would have any problem getting vegan food, but in New York City and in a lot of places all across the United States and the world, um, there are definitely areas where either there is, there are plant-based options, but they aren't affordable because of gentrification, or The immediate area, there are just a lot of um, bodegas, as we call them, which are just sort of like convenience stores that sell snacks and chips and sodas. Um, They're easy to find in a lot of the communities um, within the lower-income areas of New York City. But there are also, even if there is a grocery store in the area, if it doesn't carry a a wide enough range of edible plants, because a lot of times these places will have Uh, things that are expired and and a limited selection of maybe a few bananas and onions and just sort of this random assortment. If that's in somebody's area, it's still considered a food dirt um, because these aren't things that people are able to sustain themselves on. So they are a really big problem in the communities that I live close to. I think that's sort of the direction I hope veganism goes into that instead of saying oh my gosh everybody needs to go vegan we look at the issues that keep people from going vegan and in a lot of cases it's food deserts and see how we can change that circumstance so that somebody has the mental space to be able to think now I have nutritious options now maybe I can be receptive to the idea of changing my diet so that I'm removing and eventually eliminating animal products when we jump the gun as a community and look at things from what vegans think are most important and don't look at the factors that keep people from thinking from our point of view, I think that's the problem. And I think that's where a lot of issues lie. And um, it's a little frustrating on my end. But on the bright side, I do. there was one thing I know before the interview started, you asked me about the um, Animal Rights National Conference. I was pleasantly surprised by a lot of the leaders within the movement, who I hadn't met before, it was my first time going, even before I brought it up, were already thinking about ways to address these issues and address their language. So it wasn't everybody, but I was lucky to find a few people who were already thinking the way I was thinking before having even met me or, and probably anybody else who's thinking about these issues. I'm hoping that we're moving in a direction that we're honoring um, who
0: figuring out a solution yeah thanks so much for that that's really encouraging to hear that there were at least a couple of people at at the conference that, that had considered the issues i think i've heard a lot of people in the movement who actually deny the existence of food deserts and um I don't, I think, you know, the the very least we can do is acknowledge that food deserts exist and they're all around the world. And it's, it's, as you've just explained, it's a pretty serious problem. When we have almost half of the world's population living in poverty or less than $2.50 per day and hunger is the number one cause of death in the world, Mm. we just can't continue to ignore these issues and pretend they don't exist and make the claims that we make about veganism without considering so, so many people.
1: So true. So true, Carolyn.
0: Enzinger, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Your insights are really valuable and we really appreciate your time. And I also wanted to thank you for everything that you continue to do on behalf of both humans and other animals.
1: Thank you so much, Carolyn. really nice speaking to
0: you. You're so very welcome. is past maturity
1: no member of the animal kingdom ever did a thing to me why don't eat red meat or